Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you are tuning in, and hope that you would be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. The full man. Hallelujah. Give Jesus praise this morning. I said give Jesus praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, greetings to all of you who are in person and online. Amen. I echo what Pastor said. Amen. Um, We want to see y'all in the place. Amen. We want to see y'all. And this is not condemnation. This is love. We love loving on you. We've dedicated our lives to this. And so while we have online, there's only so much we can do behind the screen. So we want to see y'all in person. We want to love on y'all. We want to check on y'all. Amen. Look out for some emails and from te- some texts from me this week. Amen. I'm going to check up on some of y'all and see how y'all doing. Amen. 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 Um, well, I'm um, giving uh, glory and honor to God who is um, the head of my life. Amen. Center of my life. Amen. To our senior pastor, Brandon Hill. Amen. Who I am honored to give a break. Amen. He a whole dad out here, y'all. A whole dad out here changing diapers and, you know, staying up late, getting four hours of sleep. You know what I'm saying? So I have no issues giving my brother man a break. Amen. 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 He do most of the preaching. All right. I just come in every once in a while, drop a little something, get him back to my seat. Amen. Amen. Just a little sprinkle. Just, just a little something. Amen. Um, so, Pastor, we love you. Thank you so much. Um, it's because of your leadership that we're here. And I know God has led us here, but he has used us, used you to lead us here. Amen. So we trust you. Um, we don't ever doubt you. And we just thank you for being so fearless um, um, for us, oh God. I don't think any of us, I think all of us can testify of the impact that he's had on our lives. So we love you. This message series is, um, is, is, is uh, very interesting. I feel like it's going to be a mix of um, uh, overcoming my triggers, and I got questions, and, and the third component that we're going to explore here with trust. Those are two message series that we did um, last year, so please go on YouTube and watch those at your own time. Um, but trust issues, the purpose of this message series, we're aiming to encourage all of you to trust God. Yeah. Amen. It's real simple. Nothing too complicated. It's, it, it, the experiencing of itself can be complicated, um, but that doesn't mean that we should stray away from encouraging and exhorting you to do what God commands us to do, and that's to trust him. Anybody remember Proverbs uh, 3, verse 5? Come on, let's recite it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your past. Amen. I got some church church going folk in here. Amen. The purpose of this series is to exhort you and encourage you to trust God, to fully depend on him during times like these where there's recession, inflation, scarcity, how many know it's easy to trust God when all things are going well? When but money is consistently coming into the account. I trust you, Lord. When I got that promotion, I trust you, Lord. When everybody in my family is healthy, I trust you, Lord. And then when things go away, that trust starts fiddling with you. This is the area we need to work on. It's easy to trust him when everything's going well. You need to develop the muscle to trust him when things ain't going well. When there's deficiency, when there's lack, this is the time where you exercise that trust muscle. 
And the more you exercise it as you continue to go into seasons of suffering, because suffering is not going to end anytime soon, the more you exercise it, you'll get in your situations and sufferings and you'll find yourself saying, hmm, it's hard, but I've been working that trust muscle. I've been in the gym. I've been the gym of spiritual life. And this thing don't phase me like it should, like it has in the past. Come with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. And I'll be in the New King James Version. <laughs> Second right version. Um, so the New King James Version. <laughs> if you don't have your Bibles with you, it's on your screens. And it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Last verse. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. If I can give a subtitle for this message, um, it would be called Trusting the Creator Provider. Trusting the Creator Provider. Yep. Hey y'all, my name is Boomi, and I would like to invite y'all to go ahead and download our TCF app if you don't already have it. If you do have it, just know we have some new updates coming for you. You'll be able to connect with us, gain access to our exclusive content, see our live experience, and sermons. You'll have access to this app in either the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Don't miss out. And remember, transformation starts here. The book of 1 Kings. Two books in the Bible with kings in the title, 1 and 2 Kings. And they chronicled the history of the kings of ancient Israel, including the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel, referred to as Israel, and then the southern kingdom of Israel, referred to as Judah. Now, at one time, Israel was one united nation, but 1 Kings 11 and 12 detailed the events of the split that occurred that split the nation of Israel into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom comprised of 10 tribes, 10 of the 12 tribes of Jacob, and the other two tribes formed the southern kingdom of Judah. And what you need to know as you read First and Second Kings, there's a common theme, common verse that you'll see in a lot of the different chapters. The kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. The kings did evil in sight of the Lord. The kings did evil in sight of the Lord. The kings of Judah, overall, the majority of them were evil. They had a few good apples in there, but the majority of them were evil. The kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, all of them was bad. All of them were evil led the people, God's people, into all forms of evil, wickedness, idolatry, sexual immorality, anything you can think of, they led them into that. And so in our text today, we're dealing with one of those kings, King Ahab. King Ahab ruled in Israel for 22 years. He was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. He reigned, ruled from the capital, Samaria. 
And as the Bible records, Ahab did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. To put that in context, there were six kings before him. So the Bible's saying that out of the seven, he was the worst up until that point. The Bible also says that King Ahab did more to provoke the Lord to anger more than any other king before him. Ahab was the worst of the worst, and he was the king of God's people. How are the leaders of God's people leading his people away from him into idolatry and all types of immorality? Now, many of you may not know Ahab by name, but I will bet you money that you know his wife, Jezebel. Ever heard the spirit of Jezebel? Y'all know Jezebel. If you don't know who Jezebel is, that's okay. Just have the discernment not to name your daughter, nieces, all of that. Just don't, don't name them now, all right? Sis was trouble. Both of them were trouble. And this is why they were so evil. They led the people of Israel into the worship of the false god Baal. Now, Baal worship infiltrated Israel back in the book of Judges. But when Ahab and uh, Jezebel assumed power, they promoted it and advanced it. This false god who didn't bring them out of Egypt, who didn't deliver them from slavery, who delivered them from the hands of their slave masters. This is the god that all of the northern kingdom of Israel is worshiping at the hands of their leaders. Somebody say it starts at the top. Starts at the top. And so we have King Ahab, and then we have Elijah, a prophet of God. Now, I have to specify that because the term prophet is not exclusive to mouthpieces of God. In this very chapter, in the next chapter, Elijah challenges 450 prophets of the false god Baal. So God is not the only deity who has prophets in his name. If somebody comes up to you and say, I'm a prophet. The first question you should ask him is, you a prophet of who? Who are you speaking on behalf of? Who are you a mouthpiece of? All deities have prophets. So, 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 Elijah is a prophet of God, the triune God. His name means, my God is Jehovah. That's what Elijah's name means. So he is a prophet of God, and he serves the northern kingdom of Israel during this time of Ahab's reign. Prophets, one of their main functions was to serve as spiritual counsel to the kings. And their role was extremely important for those kings that were evil because they provided a counterbalance to their wickedness. And so while Ahab and Jezebel were leading the people into idolatry, here comes Elijah telling them, you need to repent. You need to repent from your ways. You need to return to God because if you don't return to him, wickedness, if you don't repent of your wickedness, judgment is coming upon you. And how many you know when you're in your sin, you don't want to hear the truth? When you're falling away and straying away from God, you don't want to hear the truth, but you need the truth. Elijah was the only person speaking and declaring and exhorting them to righteousness of a fallen nation succumbed by idolatry. And so here we are in 1 Kings 17 verse 1. The Bible declares that Elijah spoke to Ahab in Samaria and he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives. Before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except by my word. Now, here the, here's the significance of this prophecy, of this pronouncement. The Canaanites were one of the main groups that were devoutly worshipped, excuse me, were devout worshippers of Baal. 
And one of their traditions concerning Baal was that they believed that he was a God that controlled fertility and the weather. They believed that Baal controlled fertility and the weather. And so this pronouncement from Elijah, what, one of the main things that he's doing is said, okay, you've adopted Canaanite religion. You've adopted Canaanite tradition. And you believe that your so-called God controls the weather. Let's put that to the test. I'm a prophet of the triune God, the one who controls the weather. And according to his word, which is coming out of my mouth, there shall not be rain nor dew these years. Another significant portion of this prophecy was that Elijah actually prayed for this drought to happen. Show them James 5. Let's read this together. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Elijah prayed for this drought to happen. And the Bible declares that God honored his request. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Here's the last component of this. Elijah didn't just uh, spew out this pronouncement just because he didn't like Ahab. This pronouncement was a pronouncement of judgment. It was preceded by a warning from God to Israel saying that if you turn away from me and turn to other gods, I will shut up the heavens. You don't believe me? Deuteronomy 11. But be careful. This is Moses to the nation of Israel. But be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. 17. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain. And the ground will fail to produce its harvest. Then you will quickly die in that good land the Lord is giving you. So this is why God honored Elijah's prayer, because it was already in accordance with the warning that he gave to his people. That's why he answered the prayer. So when Elijah's going before you, say, God, Ahab out here, they run in the muck, they causing idolatry. Hmm, you praying for a drought. Well, that's according to a warning that I already gave them. Let me go ahead and shut up the sky for three and a half years. There's drought. No rain, no dew. Now, I think all of us can kind of get in our minds the importance of rain. It waters the earth. It waters the ground. But Elijah says there's going to be neither rain nor dew. What is the significance of no dew as well? Y'all ever seen dew on your plants? When you go out in the morning, those pretty glistening drops of water that just land so gently on your plants when you wake up in the morning. Those teeny tiny droplets of water supply hydration to the plant. Those teeny tiny drops of water enable plants to be resilient in hot and dry conditions. Those teeny tiny drops of dew allow them to retain moisture. So if there's no rain and no dew, there is absolutely no hope for these harvests, for these crops, for these livestock to survive. He said no rain and no dew. Luke 4.25 tells us that as a result of this drought, a famine occurred. Scarcity of food. Why is that? The crops are not being watered, so they're dying. And if the crops are dying, how are the livestock getting fed? How are the bulls and the cows being fed? There is drought. There is famine. There is scarcity. There is deficiency. And in this context, it's because the people have turned their ways from the Lord and have submitted themselves to a false God. 
You'll be surprised to learn how much of the suffering that we're suffering as a world and as a country is due to the fact that we've rebelled against God. I'm not saying every situation of drought and every situation of scarcity is due to disobedience, but you would be surprised to know. You'd be surprised to learn that the suffering that we're suffering as a country and as a world, how much of it is due to the fact that we have rejected God and his ways and his principles and his commands. So here we go. Verse two. In the excuse me, um, go to uh, uh, first Kings 17, verse two. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, verse three. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. He tells Elijah to get away from here because once he makes that pronouncement, once Ahab and Jezebel realize that this drought is real, they're going to be coming after him to kill him. So he says, Elijah, get out of here. Go hide by Cherith, which conveniently is 30 miles away. All right. So he's got some distance between him and Ahab. He can hide safely. God says, get away from here. And he says, hide by the brook Cherith. Let's talk about brooks. A brook is a very small natural waterway. It's a channel of water. And when you study hydrology, which is the study of water and how it interacts with the earth, there are four major types of waterways. You have rivers, streams, creeks, and brooks. Out of the four, rivers are considered the largest the most abundant, but brooks are the least abundant. They're small, they're narrow, and they're shallow. They have no depth. So in a period of drought where there is no rain and there is no dew, God sends Elijah to the least abundant water source. Cherith flows into the Jordan River. Jordan, the Jordan River is one of the most prominent rivers, not just in biblical history, but just in history. But instead of sending him to the most abundant water source, he sends him to the least abundant water source. And he says, hide there. Now, that don't make no sense. I know I pray for this, John Lord. I know I pray for this to happen in accordance with your will. But your, your lowly servant, you're going to send him to the source that has the least amount of water in a drought? What sense does that make? Verse 4. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Here's another conundrum. According to the Mosaic law and Old Testament law, God instructs the Israelites to regard ravens as unclean because they feed on dead flesh. Now, why would God, out of all the birds he created, Use a vessel that he deems as unclean to feed Elijah at Cherith. You see these conundrums? Have you ever been in a situation where God's commands to you don't make sense regarding the circumstances and the realities that you're living in? And when it don't make sense, you have two choices to make. I'm going to trust the voice of God that's telling me what to do, even though his commands seemingly don't make sense concerning the things around me. Or I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to go my own way. Because what you don't know is that the brook of Cherith was actually near Elijah's hometown. So he could have conveniently just went home when he heard that he was going to at least the least abundant water source. But he goes to Cherith. His hometown was not far from this brook 
where he knows people, where he was raised. But God sends him to a brook where he has the least abundance available to him of water. When his commands don't make sense, are you going to trust in the one, the Lord God who lives? Or are you going to trust my own understanding? I'm not speaking for Elijah because the word doesn't declare his thoughts. But if I'm in Elijah's place, now this don't make no daggone sense. Ain't going to be no rain for three and a half years. If you send me to the brook, the water will dry up quicker than when I'm drinking from the river. This brook flows into the Jordan. Why not send me there? You're commanding unclean birds to feed me. Out of all the birds you created, you choose what you chose what was unclean to feed me. This don't make sense. And yet I still have a decision to make. Who do I trust? Who do I trust? The person who has consistently provided for me and preserved me? Or do I trust myself? The person who's prone to making unwise, foolish decisions over and over and over and over and over. In this passage, show them verse 5. Excuse me, stay on verse 4. Stay on verse 4. A lot of times when I hear this passage preached, people want to rush to where God commands the ravens to feed Elijah. We're going to get there. But I want to show you something so profound, so profound that if you don't see it, you're going to miss it. Verse 4 says, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook. God's instruction to Elijah to drink from the brook points to God's inherent provision in his creation. What do I mean by that? Who created the water? Brooks contain water, don't they? Who created the water? Who designed your bodies to be composed of 60 to 70 percent water? Who designed your bodies to need water? Who created water for the purpose of watering the ground? Who did that? So show them Genesis 1. In the beginning, let's read this together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So when God created the earth, he created the earth with water. The earth was covered in water. The Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. Show them verse 6. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens, which we know as rain and dew, from the waters of the earth. The water still left on the earth after he makes that separation. Verse 7. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. Show them verse 8. God called the space, the, separ- the piece that separates the two, the sky. Yeah. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Here's the last piece, verse 9. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. <laughs> verse 10. <laughs> God speaks and it happens. Amen. God called the dry ground land and the water seas and God saw that it was good. 
So God moved all the water that was left on the earth after he made that separation, after he instituted the sky. He took all the water that was left on the earth. He moved it into one place, and from that dry land emerged. And from that uh, separation, the land emerges. And now the intersection of land and waters creates the bodies of channels of waters that we know today. Oceans, rivers, lands, ponds, brooks. So when he tells him to drink from the brook, it points back to an uncreated creator who in the beginning created the earth with water, instituted the sky to separate the waters from the heavens, from the waters from the earth, then took all the water and moved it to one place so that dry land would appear so that we now have created a channels and bodies of water, rivers, oceans, lakes, ponds, creeks, brooks. Something so simple is so easily missed. Because sometimes we're so caught up in the supernatural that we don't realize that we're still benefiting from his creation. The air that you're breathing, you breathe in oxygen and you exhale carbon dioxide. When you go out into the sun and you sit on the beach, your body is absorbing vitamin D for healthy bones. When you eat your fruits and vegetables, you're consuming antioxidants, fiber, vitamins. You're consuming all these things because your God was so intentional to put these things in creation so that you regularly, regularly, regularly benefit from it. Provision is not always supernatural. If you're so caught up in it, you'll miss it. The organs that you have, the heart that's beating as I'm speaking right now, that's pumping blood into your body, God created that. The organs that you need to reproduce, God created that and made them distinct. Amen. God did that. So he says, Elijah, drink from the brook. The water that flows, I created that. So it points back to me. Can't escape. And then he says in verse, uh, in the same verse, he says, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. As the uncreated creator, he has authority over all creation. Everything that he created, there's nothing that is outside of his authority because he created it. And he's the uncreated creator. So there's no one before him. Before he created the world, before he spoke this world into existence, he was. He is the great I am. That's why he told Moses, when, what do I, who do I say sent me? I am. It's not I am anything. It's just I am. I just, I, I've always been here. Before you even got here, I was here. I'll be here till all this ends. I am. I was. And I am the one who is to come. We see this with Jesus. Show them Mark 4. How Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, is Lord over all creation. Let's read this together. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? 39. When Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. My man was sleeping. And he was like, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? And all he had to do was open his mouth and say, silence, be still. And the wind stopped and there was great calm. Your God inherently placed provision in his creation. But not only did he do that, he's Lord over all creation. Yeah. If he's that powerful, if he's that authoritative, if he's that intentional, what makes you think 
he cannot provide for you. What makes you think if he's that authoritative, if he has that much power, if he has that much authority, do you think that he's phased by a recession? Do you think that he's phased by scarcity? Do you think that he's phased by drought? Sometimes we become so consumed with what's going on in the world that we forget just how magnificent and great our God is. How he's from eternity's past. I'm here to encourage you today. There's a lot going around, a lot going around that's going to capture your attention. Stock market falling down. Scarcity of food. Scarcity of baby formula. And yet, your God. The word says that the earth is his in the fullness thereof. Your God ain't tripping. So why should we be tripping? We trip. We have issues. Because we're consumed with how we're going to figure it out. Your God sits on the throne unbothered. Unbothered. There's scarcity. There's deficiency. The earth is mine. There's scarcity. There's deficiency. I can command whoever and whatever to provide for you anywhere at any time. God, there's drought going on. I'm the one who created the waters. I shut up the sky and I open it. This is who our God is. But here's the other component that you really need to take away from this passage. Show them verse 5. Of 1 Kings 17, excuse me. Hello, I'm Vernon Hill Sr., teaching pastor here at TCF. Hello, my name is Aretha Hill. I am the director of Glory Girls. Thank you for watching us today. If you're in need of a church community and you feel the Lord leading you to connect to this ministry, become more than a member. Be a partner. When you partner with TCF, you become an agent of change, assisting the vision and the mission of the church to connect lives of the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ. We would love to partner in community and do life with you. So come to TCF. We look forward to seeing you. And remember, transformation starts here. So Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. He obeyed. Sometimes it's just simple. It's simple. Obey the voice of God. And actually show them verse 4 again, because I need to show you something in there too. He says, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. What's the significance of there? In ancient Israel, there are a lot of different brooks, and all of them have different names. But he said, go to the brook Cherith. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. If Elijah does not go to Cherith, he misses out on prearranged provision from God. If Elijah does not go to Cherith, he misses out on prearranged provision from God. It doesn't mean that God couldn't provide it for him anywhere he went, but he would have missed out on something that was already scheduled already prearranged, already set up for him, already set up for him specifically. Don't you realize sometimes that in our disobedience, we miss out on things that God has already set up for you and custom made for you? He's set up to provide for Elijah in the midst of the drought at Cherith. And we are so foolish to disobey. 
to miss out. I told y'all Cherith was near his hometown. Not like he didn't know people there, people that could have easily provided for him. But God said, I have commanded them. I've already spoken to the ravens and told them to meet you at Cherith. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. What if Elijah would have missed out? What if he intentionally went to his hometown? What if he went anywhere else but there? Ravens would have came to Cherif. Where Elijah at? We got the food here. We have the provision. But the provision that we've been commanded, the person we've designed, we've been commanded to provide for is not here. We were already ready. We were already ready to give it to him. God commanded us and we came. We was ready. But you'll miss out. You'll miss out. Because you got trust issues. I'm not trying to diminish your trust issues. But what I'm saying to you is, what is the cost of your issues? What is the cost of succumbing to your issues so that disobedience results? What is the cost? Prearranged provision. There where God has commanded you to go. Verse 5, the Bible says that Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And verse 6, show them verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook in a drought where crops are dying, where livestock are dying because the crops are dying. When there's no rain and no dew, he is fully supplied for and taken care of because he obeyed God, because he went there. Don't miss out on what God has already arranged and set up because you don't trust, because you allow whatever trauma whatever disappointment you've experienced, to miss out. You know we'll rehearse trauma so much instead of exercising trust. We'll rehearse it so much in our mind, and that's what keeps us from obeying the voice of God. I know it hurts, but it's not an excuse to be disobedient. I know it hurts you. I know that it didn't work out the way that you wanted to. I know it didn't look like how God packaged it, but it's still not an excuse to be disobedient. And even though it's not an excuse, let me approach it this way. Look at what you're missing out. See, sometimes we'll tell you in church, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But what if we were to tell the people of God, this is what you miss out on when you disobey? How would our perspective of God and his commands and his rulership, how would it change? How would it be newly shaped if we were to tell people, look at what you're missing out by not obeying? Because I can tell you all day long, don't do this, don't do this. And all you have in your mind is, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You know what I'm saying? They're not even giving a reason why. What if, what if I were to tell you that if you don't obey, you miss out? Isn't that an uh, uh, acronym with the young kids? F-O-M-O, fear of missing out? <laughs> I'm getting old in here, all right? <laughs> fear of missing out. Don't miss out. Lastly, show them verse 7. This is where I want to close. 
And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And, I, and, ha, I, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I want to be transparent with all of y'all this morning because I really believe that my transparency, hopefully in accordance with God, will bless somebody and encourage them. I have a brook in the season of my life right now that is drying up. This past Wednesday at my job, two-thirds of my staff, including myself, were met with our supervisors, and they told two-thirds of us that your positions are being eliminated. So the job that I'm at now, this job that is supplying income to my bank account so that I can pay my bills and expenses, is drying up. And I have until April. I have until April is my last, April 3rd is my last day. My brook is drying up. It's coming to an end. But Pastor, when my supervisors sat down with me and told me this, for some reason, was not phased and I kept trying over and over in my mind I was like God yes this is a somber time yes this is a sad time layoffs are never an easy thing but for some reason I am not depressed for some reason I have not lost my mind for some reason I am joyful I am smiling people are asking me how you're doing and I'm saying I'm great how is that somebody say your history with God matters In 2016, my last semester of college, from August to December, I was unemployed. To put that in context, I had been working all college, all my four years of college, my last semester, unemployed. But I didn't miss no meals. All my bills were paid. I commuted to school two, twice, uh, twice a week and graduated in December. 2020. I step out on faith with permission from God for my job that I was at for three years. Within, I was only unemployed for two months. By the third month, God supplied me with part-time employment. In six months, he supplied me with full-time employment. So in less than a year, I went from unemployed to part-time employed to full-time employed all under a year. So when you're telling me that my position is being eliminated for some reason... <laughs> I'm not crying, I'm not upset, I'm not mad, I have a smile on my face because Jehovah Jireh has proven over and over and over again, Dominic, you've been here before, you have been without, you have been in lack, have I not provided for you, have I not opened up the windows of heaven and supplied everything that you needed, have I not done that, I'm sitting here trying to figure out y'all, why am I not tripping, because I've been here before. And because I went where he told me to go, because I went there when he told me to go there, he made provision. And so I don't care if I get a secure job before April 3rd or not. I don't care. I know Jehovah Jireh. I know that he's going to provide. Wherever, Lord, you send me, I'm not tripping. My trust is intact. Because whether I made a decision of faith or whether life happened to me, it provoked me into a position where I had two choices. Trust God trust myself the brook drying up what if that was an opportunity for God to show you that was a resource sis that was a resource my daughter my son 
I'm your source. I shut up the heavens and I open them. I command creation to supply and provide for you wherever you are. Don't you think I can do that for you? If the brook never dried up, how will we come to know him as Jehovah Jireh? If the brook never dried up, how could we come to know him as the one who supplies all my needs? If the brook never dried up, how will we come to realize that when we didn't have a dime in our pockets, when nothing was coming into the account, God made a way. One of my favorite scriptures says he makes roads in the wilderness, ways in the desert. When it's dry, when there's no produce, when nothing is growing, God, the supernatural God, commands resources to open. I know you have issues trusting him, but my assignment today was to remind you of the God that you serve, that he is not intimidated by lack and scarcity and deficiency and drought. He's not intimidated. And if you would trust him and obey, this God can open, literally open up doors that no man can shut. That's it. That's it. Some of you already are standing, but let's just stand together. I feel the spirit of God in this place. Father, you have never left us. When the brook dried up and there was nothing else coming, every bill was paid. Never missed a meal because you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the God who supplies all my needs. I can join in with Paul and say, and now my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Woo. Father, we honor you. Come on, lift up your voice in this place. You've provided all that we've needed. We've never gone without. We shall lack for no good thing. Because you have made a way. You've made ways, plural. You've done it over and over and over and over again. We worship you. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory, Jehovah Shalom, you're my Prince of Peace. And I worship you because of who you are. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory. Lord, you reign in Jehovah Shireh. Shalom, you're my prince of peace. 
Aleluia. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you would subscribe so you can continue to be empowered by the latest message. For more information about Transformation Christian Fellowship or Pastor Brandon Hill, visit our website, transformationchristianfellowship.org, or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to the number 94000 or visit our website. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.